You guys know how supporting local business is in our blood. We're super excited to tell you about Denver Rubber Company, and it may not be what you think it is. AJ and I actually had the chance to go to their warehouse and see them produce some of the things that they make. It was actually super awesome. We found out they made this little protective piece for bulletproof vests that can stop AK bullets, and it's the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life, but... You got to be sure to check it out if you get the chance. They actually make super cool cool. stuff. Yeah, it's super awesome. And they are one of the biggest rubber companies around as well. They've been in Denver since 1972, and Denver Rubber Company has provided the highest quality of products from custom die-cut gaskets, molded rubber, to custom contract manufacturing, and custom hoses, which, by the way, they have a whole warehouse full of hoses, too. Like, I didn't even know there was that many kinds of rubber, but it turns out that there is, Mm. so... They have just about anything you could possibly need, and they offer innovative solutions to serve a diverse line of industries, including aerospace, pharmaceutical, construction, medical, military, electronics, and a bunch of others as well. An ISO-certified company that will work with you from design to final product that is both cost-effective and will meet your requirements. If you're in need of custom design, material selection for your project, or have a deadline to make for a large order, do not hesitate to call Denver Rubber Company. Call them today. Day at 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com slash dnbr and tell them who sent you. And Cole gets another good righty and another right by Cole, a left by Cole this time. Tipped in front by Mika Rentinen. He shoots and scores. Nathan McKinnon. Cole J. T. Comfer. 877 goes now. Gabriel Landeskog. Collective hugs. 29 and 92. Save me by Grubauer. Move over, Picasso. This piece of art is by McKinnon. My goodness gracious. <laughs> Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche Podcast. I'm Nathan Rudolph. He's AJ Hayfley. We are presented by The Green Solution. You can visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations today and use their express checkout to get in and out as fast as possible. Or you can get on your phone right now and go to their website, mygreensolution.com, order your flour, concentrates, edibles, and topicals online, and head to the closest Green Solution for pickup. Plus, you can use code DNVR20 for 20% off your entire purchase. All right, so it is Tuesday. The Avs had an off day today, a bit of a maintenance day for everyone as they were pretty dinged up. So we did want to kind of circle back around on a few topics from yesterday, specifically Connor Timmins, as the response there was interesting because I think the key here is we don't want to knock Timmins at all for his play. Right. Like there's another, there's an understanding that this is a guy that was playing in his first two NHL games of his career and that you don't really know what to expect. And, you know, it could have been really good. It could have been really bad. We didn't, we didn't really know. And, and the demotion yesterday, I would say more of the disappointment uh, in their, their approach to it has to do with the organization's history than it really has to do with Timmons himself. Right, because Timmins, Timmins going down to the AHL and getting to play and getting to do all that, you know, one that's a big assumption. 
that he's going to go down there and play a whole bunch. I think he probably will because the organization goes about things a little differently with him than they have other guys in the past. Very true. Uh, but, and, and which, which is a kind of a, a minor problem in and of itself is that they don't, you know, it's, it's development is difficult and it's different for every player and it's always a moving target, but good organizations have good habits. They do. You know, good good developing organizations have good habits. And with Colorado, we haven't seen a lot of those good habits when it comes to getting NHL players out of guys who have spent time in the AHL. You know, it's like Miko Rantanen and JT Comper. Yeah, you, you talked about the minutes, and I do think that's a legitimate concern right now opening weekend for the Eagles, the only real prospect that was getting legitimate top six time was Shane Bowers, another guy who nearly made the team. Mm -hmm. Even a first over or a first round pick, 16th overall, like Martin Cout was more of a middle six guy and not really getting those huge minutes. Now, as you said, they've always kind of treated Timmons to be on that fast track, and I do believe they'll get him plenty of time. So that's fine. But Consistently, we've seen them play vets over the prospects in the AHL, and I think that's where the concern comes in. It is, and the last thing we want to see is him go down there and lose power play time to Mark Holt. Right, exactly. Or, that would be silly. You know, or McDonald or you know, whoever. whoever. Just pick pick one of the vet, many veterans that they have on that, that Eagles defense uh, since, you know, it's basically prospectless. Um. That's that's really our concern, and I saw that that was I, – I realized yesterday that we didn't – you know, certainly I did not explain my disappointment uh, as thoroughly as I needed to because uh, I saw, like, kind of the reaction throughout the day from from the Avalanche community, and it was pretty clearly split into two factions – and it was those who pay a lot of attention to prospects and development and those who kind of only have a passing interest, if any at all. And yeah. uh, the ones with the, with the, the less interest kind of stuck to the same talking point as always of, Oh, well he'll go down and he'll play 20 minutes and it'll be great. His 20 minutes a night, you know, in, in the AHL will be more valuable to his development than 10 minutes in the NHL, which I think is very debatable, but the assumption he would get the 20 minutes is where I'm uncomfortable because given Colorado's history, we don't know that. And like you bring up Cout is a great example. He had a good preseason. He was, he was solid and everybody just kind of assumed, Oh, well he'll go down and he'll play in the, in the top six. Once again, he is not in that top six. Right. So, it's, you know, and that's, that's disconcerting, you know, is it so important that you have Eric Condra who is 35 years old and on the, you know, in, in the twilight of his career producing points for you that Martin Cout is not getting top six minutes. And that's, that's a concern. Now Timmons has kind of been their golden boy. So he should be, I have more faith that he'll go down there and get those minutes but until I see it, I'm not as much of a believer. Um, yeah. I, 
I would just like to I would just like to see him go down there and get the big minutes. I'd like to see him get 25 minutes. Absolutely. It's much more of an organizational concern. Yeah. It, you know, you can have the debate on, on whether less NHL time or more AHL time is better. But if Timmons is playing significantly in any professional league, basically right now, it, it's a good thing for him. He will continue 100%. to improve. So things should be fine personally for Timmons, but it, it's more about the process of, of developing prospects and things like that. Mm-hmm. Now, which has been Timmons, very inconsistent in Colorado. Like it has the, the future rankings and how Colorado was set up for, you know, they have a very good NHL team and they have one of the top prospect systems. That's great, but you got to get something out of it. Right. You know, you have to turn those prospects into players. And the hope with Timmons there is maybe they can see the light a little bit if they do treat him like the golden boy and give him a ton of time and he develops and then steps into the NHL. You know, does the light bulb go off a little bit then and say, hey, if we give these guys opportunity, they can succeed? You would hope so, because the guys that I mentioned earlier, look at look at Rantanen, got dropped in there, was given top six time the entire season and was dominant. Yep. You know, JT Comfort got dropped in there, got top six time the entire season, and then wasn't dominant, but was really good and and came up and uh, at, at, at what, like 50 games into the AHL season, something like that. Yeah. And, you know, hasn't looked back. Right. I don't think that it's a coincidence that the guys that they've given longer looks to, you know, that they've said, okay, hey, we really like this kid. We want to see what he can do in a big role. You know, I don't, I understand you not giving Ty Lewis a top six job. Like, I get that. It's just never going to be the role that he's in. Right. Right. Like, I I understand that. That makes, that makes sense to me. You want to play him in a bottom six role and get him groomed to to do the job he's going to do in the NHL if he ever gets there. Okay. That's fine with me. Like that, you know, no issues, but a guy like a guy like Cout and a guy like Timmons and a guy like Bowers. And I'm glad that Bowers is getting that treatment. Cause I was worried he wouldn't. Um, it's, you know, you want to see the organization kind of give those guys, Hey, we're going to, we're going to defer to these kids and we're going to let them put up big minutes. And, if they succeed, then this works exactly the way we want it to. If this doesn't succeed, then, you know, we have a little bit more of an issue. The interesting part of it for me becomes the next step because there's been a long time, a mantra surrounding this team that just has not accurate about the player who earns it will play. Right. And, Mike Bagcock had a, a really funny phrase that I've been using since I heard it about a tie goes to the veteran. When you have these high-end prospects, in my opinion, that needs to not be the case. You need to provide opportunity for these prospects. You know, the there's and that's where, you know, there's nuance in this. Right. Because you could say the the tie goes to the veteran and in the NHL, I can understand that feeling, but the AHL is a development league. Exactly. And if you're not treating it that way, you're not using it properly, like just flat out. And, you know, with the Avs, 
this is where we really want to see them turn the corner because if they do, they are set up to be one of the premier organizations in the entire league for an extended period of time. Right. And it doesn't take much. You pretty much need to hit on your first round picks. Mm-hmm. You hit on occasional second round picks like a Timmons, which they don't. And then even less occasionally your later round picks, like someone like a Henry or something, which they haven't hit on in a decade. Yeah. I mean, the closest that they've gotten has been guys like Andre Miranov and Anton Lindholm. Yeah. They've got 60 games out of Lindholm, I think. And yeah. they, by the end of it, it was not a pretty sight. Right. So much room for improvement there. It's drafting well is great. Having that prospect pool is great, but you have to do something with it. 100%. And that's that was where red flags went up for us yesterday when they sent Timmons down after two games, despite talking him up like he was the second coming, right? Exactly. It- and and then it's like, okay, well, the one the one area where they have consistently proven they can get an NHL player is skipping the AHL, getting him into the NHL, and letting him figure it out from there. That's the area that they've shown we can get guys out of doing this. This is the process that has worked. And so I was a lot more comfortable with them doing that, where he was just, okay, now he's in the NHL. Because they've shown that they can they can make that work. Can yeah. can Connor Timmons go down there and get 30 games and come back up and be an effective player? Can they even get can they even do that as an organization? You know, can we can we see that kind of progress? Because that's for me, that's all I'm looking for. I'm just looking for progress here. I'm not I'm not looking for, you know, unbelievable, outstanding, incredible results. Just progress. I just I just want to see the organization take those steps forward. I've been patient with that with that process for a long time and been like, well, they've been really shallow prospect wise. There's no longer that excuse. They have to get this one right. And it starts with Timmons. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Timmons and arguably Cow and Bowers though a little bit further down the line yeah. because of their center and, and wing depth now. Uh, those are prospects that need to be developed and should be NHL regulars down the line, if not this year. Just given the preseason, you would really want to believe that both Timmons and Bowers are in the NHL for good by the end of the year. Right. And that Cout is absolutely pushing hard. Yeah, exactly. That's that's what you want to see. And, you know, whatever's going to happen with A.J. Greer, is going to happen. You know, at this point it will be what it will be. Right. I hope for, I hope for the best. Um, I'd like to see him, as I've said many times, get a real like long look, but you know what? The abs look really good right now. They sure do. And, and you don't get any do overs. You can't go back in time with Greer and change how it, how it went. So exactly. And at this point, it, you know, at this point you're winning games and, you're not messing around with that because the one area of the team that looks unimpeachable rock solid is your bottom six. Yeah. No argument with that. Go ahead and end segment one there. Prospect development is something I've been drinking to for a handful of years now. So it's time to take drinking because of 
because of mostly, unfortunately, <laughs> but it is time to take a second and acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of BSN or BNVR. Breckenridge is the original Colorado beer established in 1990 here in Breckenridge, Colorado. Their beers are honestly, I love all of them at this point. I just kind of pick one randomly every show to talk about because they're all so good. Today I'm picking the Mango Mosaic, another mm. fruity one right up AJ's alley. This one, it, I'm not a good beer describer, but I describe IPAs and, and hoppier beers as like green. They taste green to me. And that's kind of what the Mango Mosaic tastes like as well. It's got that green flavor to it. And I don't mean green in a bad way. I mean green as in like, I I can't even describe it. It tastes like the color green. Mm. <laughs> But again, it's a good beer. I've yet to have a Breck beer that I haven't liked. So would highly recommend that one as well if you want to get away from their staples of the, the Avalanche Amber or their Vanilla Porter or something like that. Either way, you can come out and hang out with us as well. Check out the Breckenridge event calendar on thednvr.com. You can come out watch Avs, Nuggets, Broncos, whoever, have a few Breck beers with us and just have an overall good time. Highly recommend it. RSVP on the site. And we will be back in segment two with another divisive topic. Second segment of the DNVR Avalanche podcast. I'm Nathan. He's AJ. We've talked about Connor Timmons and the split of philosophy there. Another thing that has garnered a kind of butting of heads, at least throughout the fan base, Nathan McKinnon. Showed his frustration the other night against Minnesota on a play where McCarr actually hit the post on a shot, but McKinnon wanted a back pass coming back to him for a one-timer. He didn't get it. He slams his stick on the ice and is clearly not happy with the way things went. Is this a big problem or is this just McKinnon being competitive? Uh, It's definitely McKinnon being competitive, but is it healthy for a team atmosphere? I think reasonable people could disagree. Uh, sure. I think I think for McKinnon, this is how this is how he operates. He's been this way the last couple of years. We didn't see a lot of this Nathan McKinnon during the forty-eight point season or during the year before that, even when Patrick Wall was still here. I think this this is an aspect of McKinnon's personality that has developed when with confidence. When he, once he realized he could be a dominant player. I think that the confidence just went through the roof and that this is a side effect of that. And, you know, there are going to be people that don't like the optics of it, that, that think it's, it's petulant and it, and it comes across as childish. I, I see an ultra competitive dude doing just that. He's just competing. I do believe that it is mostly just his competitive spirit there with the frustration showing, most players, you would say, oh, he doesn't have a goal in two games. That's normal. McKinnon not scoring a goal in two games is like he wants to get in there and put one in the net. Right. So I definitely do see that factor to it. It was something we've seen throughout training camp and preseason as well, though, with some frustration and practices and things like that. Is that all just uh, trying to attain perfection and anytime anything goes wrong, he wants to be serious about it. Uh, Yeah, he, he is demanding a high level first and foremost of himself. Yeah. So like, don't let's not get this twisted here. 
he is he's asking perfection of himself first. And then it trickles down to everybody around him. Right. And I really don't I do not have any kind of an issue with this because I do think it comes from a healthy place. I think it comes as a maybe maybe you'd like to see certain areas of his game be a little bit more mature. You know, I think I think when I watch him on the power play, uh when they lose control of the puck, he just gives up on the play. Yeah, I I did want to talk about that. I that was something that he was doing last year too, a little bit too often where it felt like you could kind of see that frustration come over him and he could kind of just go, Oh, and shrug it off and kind of just skate to the bench. Right. And he'll, he'll like the play will still be in the zone and he'll just be like, okay, well they're going to clear it. Yeah. And you know, there are certain things. This is, this is where you kind of have to take the superstar pledge. Right. Yeah where there are going to be certain parts of a a player's personality that maybe you aren't as big a fan of. But when he has three assists in two games and we're saying he's underperforming, he's doing pretty okay. Where you're talking about a guy that is one of the absolute best in the world at what he does. And, you know, you just, you take the, the minor imperfections you know, like the like the baseball player who doesn't always run hard to first base on a ground out. Yep. You know, you you don't love it. It's not something that you're sitting there applauding him for. But that dude's going to give you 30 homers. So. <laughs> but you're picking your battles 100%. Yep. You're picking your battles and you're saying, well, you know, this isn't my favorite part of his his personality, but we're definitely willing to put up with this because of all the good things that it brings. And because I do think that it brings, it brings an element of accountability around them where it's not like, you know, Matt Calvert's not sitting there worried like, Oh no, McKinnon's going to be mad at me if I don't do this right. But there is an expectation, you know, you, you do need to do whatever your job is on the team. You've got to be prepared to do it. You've got to do it at a high level. You've got to do it consistently. Does it get a little bit too harsh at times? We saw in preseason with Andre Burakovsky coming into a new system, a new team, and McKinnon in preseason was very clearly not <laughs> clicking with him, put it that way. Um, I do th- I do think that might have been just a touch over the top, yeah. Okay. Where you're, where you're kind of like, dude, like these Give games don't minute. <laughs> these games don't count. This yeah. is a new guy in a new place, new system, new everything. Trying to find his way, like let's just ease up on him a bit here. But at the same time, like it also sets the tone for Burkowski. Right. Hey, you've got to bring your highest standard to the rink. Every day, because that's how the best players on this team approach it. And that's, that's how you build that culture. That's how you build that particular culture is you do it every single day. You live it every single day. You exemplify it 
every single day. Not you talk about it and you aspire to be it. And, you know, gee golly, you're sure hoping it goes okay this time. You live it. Fair enough. And that aspect of it, that aspect of it, man, I think it's it's not any different than any of our lives and things that we want to do. You know, you want to lose weight, you got to get up in the morning and you got to go to the gym. And you've got to you've got to stop talking about it. You've got to eat right. You've got to you've got to cook right. You've got to take care of yourself. You have to get into the gym and you have to you have to figure it out. You have to win the the mental battle, the the grind. Otherwise, all it is is just hopes and dreams and aspirations. And you can want the best for yourself and for those around you as much as you want. But until you start making it happen, it doesn't count for much. And I think that was the problem under in, in previous Avalanche teams was they were plenty talented, but they didn't want to live the leadership role. They didn't want to set that tone. They didn't want to put in that work every single day, that high, high level of work every single day. They'd put it in occasionally and they would feel good about themselves. And I think that those days are done. I think that this is a group that is now setting that tone that every single day, if you do not come to the office, to to the rink prepared, then you will not be part of this group for very long. And you can see the production has, has shown through on the front side of that. They have nine goals in two games. They have three power play goals in two games. We were talking before the show, three for 12. You look at that and you go, that doesn't look very good. But then you do the math on it and it's actually a 25% power play. That's pretty solid. (laughs) Which puts you in the upper echelon in the NHL. Yeah, exactly. So it the numbers look really strong right now. Consistency has a long time been an abs issue on the power play, and I do still see some issues with that, particularly on the second unit. But as far as McKinnon's intensity and things like that, right now it seems to be living up to the hype on the power play with two goals from Rantanen and a goal from Donskoy as the three on the power play. Absolutely, man. They look and well, and the power play looks dangerous. Yeah, that first unit especially is like constant high danger. Kale McCarr, and there are a couple of there are a couple of power plays we could go back and we could watch and we could say too patient, too cute. Yep. yep. Trying to find the perfect play. The second power play, I think, has done a really good job of coming in and being really aggressive and and saying, Well, we're here to shoot. That's what we're supposed to be doing. It's what we're here to do. Everybody get out of my way. It's honestly some of that cuteness, I think, is even flooded over into five on five at times. I don't want to get too negative here, but this does seem to be something that very, very good teams fall into where they try to make that extra pass a little too often. They try to make that really pretty play instead of just getting it to the net. Well, it's it's the curse of high skill. Right, exactly. Because you can you can make that play. You're not just a a meat and potatoes guy. You know, you're not just a North and South guy who's looking to make, you know, the, the simple play every time because that's, that's your avenue for success. That's what keeps you employed. 
you know, the, the, the high skill guys, they make that play. They have the vision, they have the creativity, and then they have the world-class skill to pull stuff off. And you get frustrated when you're like, Oh my gosh, will you just shoot it? But then they make highlight real plays and you're like, whoo. And they go hand in hand, right? You have to Boy. try it or you'll never be able to pull off the highlight reel. Exactly. Like you, and again, like the superstars bargain, like yep. this is, this is part of it. When you have the really high skill, you know, if, 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 if your bottom six guys, if Matt Nieto and Matt Calvert and JT Comfer and, and, you know, Pierre Edward Belmar are like rolling around, Trying to trying to go tic tac toe and make these super high fancy plays, that's the one where you kind of get a little frustrated and you're like, "Come on, guys, come on, this ain't it." <laughs> yeah, like, nah, come on, don't, don't like, this is this is not why you guys are employed. Yeah, definitely a role dependent situation, no doubt. Yeah. When it comes to that type of thing. And, like, you, you can live with that cuteness as long as it eventually gets to where you need it to be. And and we say they're getting cute, and McKinnon has 10 shots on goal, and Rantanen has seven. So they're getting right. plenty of bucks to the net. <laughs> yeah, they're, uh, they're not hurting so bad. Yeah, exactly. So, well, I think we found our title for this episode, The Superstars Bargain. But, yeah. Um, that's gonna be the end of segment two for us here we'll be back in segment three with a couple of other odds and ends topics around the abs but you know what's so great about the dnvr family we now have multiple subscribers that have partnered with us to help promote their businesses whether it's denver rubber company or chad with houselift who has an incredible service for you if you or your friends are thinking about selling your house but it's not in tip-top condition go to houselift.com. They'll show you how to maximize your profit. If your house is in need of an upgrade, Houselift can assist in eliminating all the stress of the remodeling process while matching the current trends that buyers most desire. And get this, there are zero upfront costs from you, the homeowner. That's right, you won't pay for any of the upfront costs for the remodel until your house closes. Houselift will handle everything from the contractors to the design while managing all of the costs. Here's what you need to do. Head to their website or Facebook page. You can find both at houseliftcolorado.com and check out the incredible remodels Houselift has done for homeowners here in the metro area. In past jobs, Houselift has put anywhere from fifteen to $60,000 more in their clients' pockets. Call 303-885-7888 today and find out what Houselift can do for you. Oh yeah, if you hire one of Houselift's preferred realtors, they'll sell your home without charging a listing commission. Third and final segment of the DNVR Abs podcast with Rudo and AJ. I want to talk about Pavel Francis a little bit. Has not gotten into a game yet. It's two games left in this homestand. Yeah, obviously there's the four days off. So Grubauer should be fully rested. But when do you want to see Francis get into a game? Probably Arizona Saturday. Yeah, so one of the the home games at least. Yeah, I don't want his season debut to be the back-to-back Florida-Tampa Bay game. Because that's way down the line. Yeah, I want that to be his second game. All right. Yeah, that's fair enough. Especially if you're considering putting him up against a, a juggernaut like Tampa Bay. 
I mean, or I mean, Florida's offense, man. That's true. I mean, they beat Tampa Bay earlier this week or like, last week. So if Florida makes the playoffs, it'll be because their top six is legit. So that's that. You know, it's going to be a high octane offensive battle, no matter which game of those he ends up in. And that's why I don't want that to be his first one. Arizona certainly not quite that much firepower. They do have Phil Kessel now, but it they're not a bunch of 100-point players on that team. Right. A different caliber of, yeah. of score, I think it's fair to say. Right. I, I would agree with you there. So you want Grubauer against Boston? Or are you looking to, yeah. to really secure the 3-0 and there? Yeah, I want Grubauer against Boston and then Franzuz against Arizona. I am a little concerned about, again, getting into the abs historically. Are they just going to try and ride Grubauer a bit too much? Uh, I think that Jared Bednar has every intention of having Philip Grubauer be the man. Yeah. So, yes. To answer your question, probably yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm, the big concern is, you know, when they start getting into playing back-to-backs and if you're trying to throw out Grubauer for both, that's where I kind of start to worry about a guy's groin. Yeah, I'm... With Grubauer having no history of it... That's true. I will worry about it less than with Varley, where you were always worried about it. Uh, yeah. But... <clears throat> excuse me. At the same time... Uh, I don't, it's not irrelevant. You know, you don't want to overwork your guy. Yep. And that's where you hope Frankie plays really well and you don't have to worry. You know, you, you feel very comfortable with him in net. And so you're not forcing Grubauer to play 70 games. Exactly. You're not fretting much about it. You're just like, okay, this is, this is fine. Like, we'll, we'll just handle our business and move on from here. Well, a big way that you can help Francis is with quality defense. Someone that has not been talked about pretty much at all through these first two games is Eric Johnson. He played over six minutes on the PK against Minnesota in game two. Is this the new normal for EJ? I think it is. And he's he's their late game guy. Yeah. That they will run out there as their their horse, you know, while you're not you're not gonna turn to Gerard and you're not gonna turn to uh Makar as the guys that you love late in late, late, late in games. You know, I think that this is this is his role now, is that he's the stopper. He's the defensive stalwart that you turn to, that you lean heavily on, even. It's a bit of a curious situation. You know, we talked about last season, EJ has always relied more on his physical talents over thinking the game. And there were struggles with that at times last year, in part due to the issues he was having with his shoulder and, and things like that. But through two games, I don't really have too many complaints about him. Uh, if Eric Johnson plays this way all season, I will have no complaints. Yeah, honestly, I, I am in no way bothered by the way that he has played so far. I think he's been really solid. All right. So, and it's, it's not sexy. 
you know, it doesn't have to be. Yeah. It's, it's not going to, it's not going to put him on a fantasy team. Uh, it's not going to get him accolades, but it's going to be, it's going to be effective and it's going to be night in and night out. And they, I think the abs really need that. Yeah. They stabilizer. Exactly. They really just need a stable force that they can just rely on every night where they, they know what they have and they're not worried about it, especially with, you know, McCarr, the rookie and Graves is still green and, you know, how, how good is he? And we saw the, the variation in Ian Cole's game last year. There, there can be a lot of up and a lot of down in that. Yeah, it's let's take the Calgary game. Time on ice, EJ led the way with 22 minutes, 26 seconds, 10 seconds ahead of Gerard. Mm-hmm. Another about 45 seconds behind that is Zadorov with 21 and a half, and then a bit of a drop to Makar at 18 minutes. But it's a top four that you can roll both of the pairings pretty easily, or even mix and match both of the pairings pretty easily. So with this stabilizer like EJ there, if it's an off night for Makar, if it's an off night for Gerard, you can move away from them if you need to. Yeah, absolutely, man. There's, there's flexibility there. Yeah. Uh, EJ's ability to do a little bit of everything, I think is going to be really a nice boon for the organization as a whole. Yeah. Because they don't, rely on him he doesn't have to be the man anymore but he can pitch in in so many different ways that he just makes all the little areas that he ends up playing in that much better as long as he can stay healthy of course i mean you've number one you've got to stay healthy otherwise this is all for nothing right and it will be interesting to see how the the TOI mixes and matches once Ian Cole gets back in. Again, not sure exactly yeah. how soon that is, but it doesn't sound like it's very far away. <laughs> yeah, it really doesn't, does it? I mean, he's practicing in full contact at this point, so can't be can't be too far down the line with <laughs> yeah. with Timmons sent down, especially. So Yeah, a hundred percent, man. It's it's coming. Which is incredible recovery time. It's very impressive, yeah. Whatever they're feeding hockey players, I need some of that. <laughs> Dude, whatever whatever he did to, to feel that good after double hip surgery, I'm going to have to talk to him and be like, you're going to have to just hit me with that workout regimen, man. <laughs> Get those hips opened up. Yeah, straight up, dude, because that's, oh, that sounds amazing. All right. So kind of just a general general odds and ends there of, of things happening around the abs, their defense and goaltending. They're still two and I'm going to say that every single show until Thursday <laughs> because they're the only team undefeated in the central division. So enjoy that while it lasts. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I guess final thoughts on, on where the team stands now and, and what kind of can we expect heading towards this Boston game? Um, they always play Boston well. They really do, especially at the start of the year. So I honestly, I think we're in for a fun game because I think Boston's really good again. Yeah. 
And obviously that top line is one of the ones that we talk about where Colorado's group that is, it's right. It's right there with, with the Bruins group, but I, I like Colorado's group more. And last year they kind of punched them in the mouth a little bit (laughs) in Denver. Yep. uh, As they, you know, they went off and I want to see that again. Uh, Just, continue to reaffirm that this is a special group at every turn. The Avs still haven't come in and just completely ended a game. They've looked good against Calgary. They looked good at times against Minnesota, but it hasn't been a wire to wire control. Yeah. And I, you know, certainly against a team as quality as Boston, I don't know that I would be looking right. for that, but right. <clears throat> I would not mind them. Maybe getting out in front and not letting the other team get back in it a little bit. At least maintaining a one goal lead. <laughs> yeah. Like, like let's don't let them push back on multi-goal leads. Yeah. You know, get the, get a two goal lead and build. Yeah. Ah, I think that would be nice to see. Yeah. I mean, Hey, if it wants to be a stress-free Thursday night, I'm all for that cool with me as well but <laughs> it's gonna take a higher level of play against a team like boston as you said so and maybe that's what it, it brings it out you know we you yeah. had you had a team that they were comfortable beating in the postseason last year had a little bit of a playoff feel to it then they had their number one division rival come into town so some emotional emotional stakes in games one and two uh came out on the other side feeling good but now it's like, okay, well, hey, we're going to take on one of the top teams in the league in Boston. You know, they've got to keep getting themselves up for these. Yeah, it's abs have often in the past played down to their competition. And sometimes the better teams do bring the best out of them. So, yeah, that's the hope, at least for Thursday. Yeah, definitely. Well, call it there that's gonna do it for this episode of the dnvr avalanche podcast thank you for listening for aj i am nathan and you will hear from us again tomorrow if you live in the south metro area and have been looking for top-notch customer service extensive beer wine and spirit selections and unbeatable prices look no further than davidson's beer wine and spirits You won't find a more varied inventory anywhere else. Don't just take it from me, guys. This is Michael, and he's been shopping at Davidson's since they opened. The thing I like about Davidson's versus the competitors, it has a larger selection. And if I am going to buy Spirit, then Davidson's is usually my first choice as well because just of the size of the selection. I also like the extensive selection of some hard-to-find items. But that's not all. Every department is staffed with highly trained specialists who can help you find exactly what you're looking for. I've always found the folks that you chat with to be knowledgeable. I've chatted with the spirit staff about different bourbons and different vodkas, and I am always chatting with the wine staff about different things and saying, I like this, what else do you have that's similar? Particularly when I go to non-U.S. Uh, wines. I find them extremely helpful in in helping me find something I'm looking for. What are you waiting for? Head to either of their locations in Centennial or Highlands Ranch and follow them on Facebook to stay up to date on their latest specials.